She brings wealth and health to her audience by tackling hot topics around substance use disorder, mental health and wellness. Her mission, vision, and goal are to help you heal from your past trauma, inspire you to transform your body, mind, and soul so you can live your best life. Your board-certified psychiatric mental health doctor, nurse practitioner, trauma care maestro, and media analyst, your life ambassador, best-selling author, TEDx talk speaker, CEO of Pool of Bethesda Psychiatric Health in Arizona. Let's all welcome Dr. Princess Fumi Hancock. Hello, welcome to our Wellness Saturdays. Uh, I am Dr. Denise Joseph, and I'm so happy to be a part of this event on behalf of Black Women Leaders in Nursing. I'm currently hailing from Seattle, Washington, which is my temporary, or could be my permanently new home. And I am so happy to be here with my ladies, my leaders, my friends, my colleagues, standing across the the United States, as well as outside of the United States, as we can see with Ms. Mika hailing from the Philippines. I am so happy to um, have Dr. Princess Fumi um, Hancock join us today for our Wellness Saturday. And I'm going to hand it over to our founder, Dr. Misha uh, uh, proposed, and I speak faith when I say it, Misha Carey. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Josephs. Thank you. I just want to take a moment just to welcome everyone to the call. Welcome to Wellness Saturdays with BWLN. And we are just so honored. We are just so happy to have Dr. Princess Fumi Hancock joining us again. Last year, she joined us for Wellness Saturdays. Um, and then she joined us for an inspirational talk in uh, July last year, and it was amazing. So we welcome her back, um, Dr. Princess Fumi Hancock. Take it over. Thank you so much for having me back. It's always great to see your ladies doing your thing. So thank you so much. Mika, thank you for joining from the Philippines. Um, uh, ever so often when I'm called to speak on any topic and, and by the way thank you for just giving me the freedom to just speak whatever it is that i feel led to talk about today um it's i tend to kind of be quiet a little bit a, a night before just to kind of listen and just listen to what um what the spirit would have me talk about uh, regardless of what your faith is I do believe that we're each led um, to this practice. Uh, nursing is a practice, it's a lifelong practice. Um, not necessarily, uh, we're not often paid what we're worth. Um, and that's why I believe that it's, it's a lifelong practice. It's something that you have to be called to. And so when we talk about wellness, we're talking about our our well-being, and it, it can come from physical to uh, emotional to spiritual. And um, last night, I, I thought about this topic that I am not a bedpan peddler. Now, there is a story, and uh, those of you who know me that I'm a storyteller, so I love story, to tell stories. And there's a story about that, and this happened about I think it was beginning of this year, and I was reached out. Somebody reached out to me and said, "Well, would you be interested in doing a TED TED talk uh, for nurses?" 
So I said, hmm, okay, that's interesting because I'd already done TED Talk before in Saudi Arabia. So I said, well, well what in the world am I going to talk about now? Because now we're talking about nurses. So I said, well, what, what do I want to talk about? And then I, I really had to sit down and think about this. And that topic just came to me. I'm not a bedside bed paddler. And I said, wow, okay. So how do we relate this? For nurses who are watching this, they can instantly relate to this. That Okay, bedside nurse, okay. But when I shared it with somebody else who was not in the nursing, she reached out to me and she said, well, oh my goodness, I could literally see my own practice. She was a social scientist in this. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that to say that regardless of what your background is today, I want you to look at that concept of a nurse saying to you, I'm not a bedside, you know, peddler, which means that if you're a social worker, you're not a, you're not whatever, fill in the gap. Whatever you are, you're not a peddler. In other words, you're not anybody's servant. Of course, uh, you work in servitude in every um, place that you find yourself. You're there to serve, but you're not necessarily somebody's rug to step on. And so that is where that came from. It came from me literally sitting down in the midst of this pandemic and just watching some of our news platform and watching um, different aspects of uh, professions out there, um, those who are professors, those who are, you know, just different aspects, being invited to the table to share their own perspective on what this pandemic means to the people that they serve. And what I observed was I wasn't seeing nurses. And so I'm sitting there saying, wait a minute now. We got we got some stories too. We got things to we got things to share. Nurses are scientists. We are researchers. You know, we we do a lot. We are innovators. We are entrepreneurs. We are a whole lot of stuff. But I'm not seeing nurses being called on to do anything there. Well, a few times when I see nurses, it's always maybe telling stories about somebody that they sat next to their bed and that person passed or something. But it was almost like nurses were glued to the bedside. And it was difficult, or it is still difficult for a lot of the media to actually see nurses outside of bedside. And so I began my journey this year, and I gave myself like a, six month uh, goal that I was going to hit as many social media uh, uh, and media outlets as best as I can as a nurse expert because when we look at the pandemic we have lost a lot of nurses too we have nurses and even advanced uh, practice that are running basically running clinics a hundred percent like I do in Arizona here, and yet 
there are a group of people who still think that nurses cannot do anything outside of, you know, outside of them. And so I decided that this year was going to be my year of just hitting <laughs> media. And some of you who are on my LinkedIn or Facebook, you'll see that I'm constantly doing one thing or the other, either radio or a TV, because I wanted to bring awareness that we nurses here, we are here and we matter, and that we are beside, you know, beside just being at the bedside, taking care of our patients, which we love by, to do, by the way. We also have a lot more to who we are. And so today, I wanted to share that with you all today with the hope that even if you're not a nurse, you're going to get some information out of this and be able to sit down and say, hmm, this is a ha-ha moment for me. Perhaps I need to think about other ways that I could bring myself out there. So a few uh, months ago, uh, one of the nurse practitioners that I met um, contracted COVID. And she was admitted and she was at the point of literally at the point of death. And many times those who, were, who knew her and who was also a part of my group, we actually thought we were going to lose her. And, but we, never, we did not lose her. And so when she was done, I said to her, I said, hey, I said, you know, I have this show called Life Rehab uh, TV. Would you, would you care to share your story? And she said to me, she said, oh, I'm, I'm always in the background. I just like to be in the background. I don't like to be in the forefront. And I did understand that. And I just said, oh, okay, when you're ready, let me know. But here's what that taught me about nursing. There are a lot of us in nursing. That's who we are. We like to serve in the background. That's just who we are. We enjoy it. Um, we don't have to be, you know, in the forefront to do what we do because we just love to do it. But we also live in an age now where it's important that if you want people to take your profession seriously, you have to come to the table. Let me, let me repeat that again. If you want people to take you seriously and what you do seriously, you have to be willing to ditch fear do it scared and afraid and come to the table. What we're doing today, right? Black women leadership, you know, um, nurse leadership. You are coming to the table. You are not just coming to the table. You're presenting the table to others to come to the table so that the more awareness we have, the better we stand and the more opportunities nurses like ourselves do have. So I hope that not just nurses are going to learn from what we're going to talk about, but that the other professions too will look at it and say, well, what are we going to take from the table that is being presented us today? And what are we going to take to our own table and how are we going to implement it? So having said that, my name is Dr. Princess Fumi Hancock. People know me as your global vision midwife. Others call me your life strategies. Nah, it doesn't really matter. Some call me, I like this one. 
Uh, some call me your compassionate trauma care maestro. Now that one I like. I'm an African princess that's living in diaspora. I've been living in America right now for, ah, uh, my goodness, almost 40 years. Um, I'm a board certified um, doctor of nurse practice in psychiatry. And of course, I run groups of clinic in um, Arizona. So I am not a bad pan peddler, my goodness. So there are facts, there are myths, and of course, there are um, fears which surround our role as uh, advanced nurse practitioners, um, even as nurses, right? So some will look at me today and say, oh, she is part of lifesavers, that we're lifesavers. Some would even consider me, uh, when they see me in my clinic, they'll say, oh, she got listening ear. Um, many, of course, will also take their time to say that I, I do care diligently when I take care of them. Um, while those in the media, other sectors such as the media or even um, my fellow counterparts in the healthcare sector um, might see me as a bedpan peddler, right? If you are one of those that are from the silent cultures, like I do come from Nigeria, where my family has ruled since the 1280s in the southwestern region, um, they regard, often regard nurses as just a sidekick to a physician. And remember, just I want you to listen to the word that I said, physician. I deliberately chose physician because I made that conscious effort to understand that everybody and anybody can be a doctor. Let me say that again. Everybody and anybody can be a doctor. If you own a PA, if you have a PhD, you're a doctor and you earn the right to be called a doctor. If you are a psychologist, you are a doctor, you earn the right. If you're a literal art, literally arts, you're a doctor, you earn the right. And likewise, if you are a nurse practitioner who does, you know, going to advanced practice, you earn that and you have the right to be called that. But what we see out there is that it's often easier for people to call a PhD older Dr. So-so-so. It's even easier for people to call uh, a psychologist Dr. So-so-so. But when a nurse who is advanced practice decides to call herself, hey, my name is Dr. So-so-so, then all hell breaks loose because people think you belong in the side bed. You don't, you know, you're glued to the side bed. And because you're glued to the side bed, your degree must not matter. And where wellness comes in here is where we appreciate ourselves, right? When the industry, the nursing industry, where we appreciate ourselves, where we value ourselves, then other people will value us. And so I made a conscious effort that when I go to any clinic, I can be introduced to a physician, but nobody owns a TM, a trademark, to doctor, right? 
But what we often see is that we have physicians being, you know, ascribed doctor, where a nurse who has a, a doctorate cannot. In fact, there have been places where they've been told you cannot use that because it would just confuse people. Now, people are not that dumb. No, they're not confused. Those who come to us, those who come to nurses, they come because of exactly what who we are. They don't come because they're confused, but they come because of who we are. And so part of wellness is also understanding the power of who we are, understanding that whatever you are in the spectrum of things, an RN, a DN, uh, whatever, whatever you are, whoever you are, understanding that you matter, that's the beginning of wellness. That's the beginning of wellness. Understanding that whatever it takes, it took you a lot to get to where you are today. For those of you who have come together with this group, it took a lot to even bring it to this. I bet there's still a lot of struggles behind the scenes. I bet there's a, there are times you don't even want to do nothing about it because you're just flat out tired. But you get up because you know the power that is within that. You know the possibility of what this group can do to black and brown communities. You understand the fact that we need to be at the table too. Groups like this help us to be at the table. So whether you are a social scientist, whether you are an artist, whatever it is that you're a part of today, being at the table is also wellness. Because when you are not performing to that ability, to the ability or the capacity of who you were meant to be, then your mental wellness is going to be in crisis. So it's important, number one, that we appreciate who we are, because if we do not appreciate who we are, then we cannot expect others to appreciate us. When you're not even loving on yourself, how can somebody love you, right? So it's important when we talk about mental wellness, we talk about who we are, we talk about what we believe in, we talk about our legacy. So my question to you today is, what is your legacy? What would you love your legacy to look like? Several years ago, um, my goodness, over 25 years ago, I was at the throne of, I mean, I'd lost everything, literally. I was very young in, my marriage was extremely young then. I had two boys, two and four, um, had uh, built up, a, I mean, huge business, incredible business in daycare, in the daycare industry. And I found myself losing everything. I mean, just lost everything. And I just lost everything. I lost my mind in the process too. So when we talk about losing, I'm not talking about, you know, that phrase people say, lose your mind. No, it's not a phrase. I literally lost my mind over everything. I was too young. I couldn't go back home to tell my family who were royalty that I had failed, particularly in a relationship that they had warned me from day one, 
this is not going to end well. But how many of you know that when you're young, you know, you feel like you can change anything and change anybody. And so I just, well, I ignored them literally. And so I found myself in America not wanting to go back home to tell them I had failed. And so I lost my home. I lost everything. And I found myself, yes, homeless because I could not go back home. I just wasn't going to go back home. So I found myself with my two boys. And I find myself saying, okay, this is the end of the road for me. It's over. It's not, mm -mm. There's, there's no way out of this now. It's over. The only way out that I saw was suicide. That was the only way out. And I found myself in New York City, Verrazano Bridge, in my car, trying to punch down that bridge. Now, if you're not from New York, you need, you need to go Google Verrazano Bridge. And I'm telling you right now, when you see that picture of Verrazano Bridge, you probably would jump two, three, four times and thank God <laughs> on my behalf <laughs> that I'm still alive today. And I found myself at that juncture where I either plunge or I turn back. But as I push that pedal, I push that pedal. And the first image that I saw in front of me was the image of my children, my two boys. And I heard that question. Is this the legacy? Is this the legacy? that you want for your children? Is this the legacy? A legacy of suicide? Do you want your boys to grow up thinking that they were not enough for you to not kill yourself? And when I heard that, hmm, even though I didn't know what the next step was for me, I saw a reel, a film reel, because I love films. So you would, you know, I saw a film reel and I saw my boys crying. I pulled back, not knowing where I was going. And I said, uh-uh. There has to be a better way. There has to be a better way. And I turned around. And when I look at my life today, When I look at my life today, there are times I wondered, what if I had completed that suicide? What if I had completed it? Where would my boys be, who, by the way, are over, they're both over 30 years old now, doing their own thing? Where would, you know, where would my family be? And the things and the people that I've been able to touch since the last 30 years, what would have happened? What would have happened? And even though I didn't know what the next step was, I turned around and I went back home to go and face whatever it is that I needed to face. Many people will tell you that you don't qualify for a lot of things. When I came to this country, I didn't qualify because of my accent. Check. Then I said, okay, 
down here. Well, then wait a minute now. You didn't qualify because you're a black woman. Check. All right. Then they're like, oh, wait a minute. You don't qualify because you're a black African accent. Check, check, woman. Check, 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 check. You don't qualify. Then I had the audacity to say I want to go to Hollywood. I mean, who does that? I had the audacity, the audacity of me to say, uh, I write social justice and I will make movies too. Then so they go and say, oh, wait a minute here. Uh, I think you're facing the wrong direction. <laughs> Have you forgotten that you are a, a woman? Uh, you are a black woman. You are a black woman with some nappy hair. You are a black woman with nappy hair and an accent woman. Uh -huh. Then you are a woman, 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 woman. Do you know you're a woman? <laughs> Do you get it? <laughs> and then they say, oh, wait a minute now. Oh, you just turn 50? Oh, it's over. <laughs> It now is over. It is just absolutely over. Anything you want to do now, you're just being ludicrous. <laughs> I literally had, I had, I had a major, a major. If I mentioned the uh, the the media, you would know. You guys would know the, this media. They had the audacity to tell me, you know, that dream that you had. Do you think you can hand it over to your boys? We can we can do great work with your boys. And you can just come in and out of the reality show. Just come in and out like the mother. Come in and out. And, and that's exactly how they did it. And so they went and approached my, my boys. And they gave my boys this, this huge contract and tell my boys to sign it. And they looked at me and said, Mama, we're not signing anything. Even I wanted them to sign it and just say, forget me. And they said, uh-uh, mama, you're the media person. We are the ones who are supposed to come in and out, not the other way around. I said, because you were called to this. We're not. We're just going to have fun doing it, but we're not called to it. But this is who you are. This is what you're called. So they either take you or not. If they don't take you, then they don't have us. So you have a situation where people think it's over for you. Or perhaps you are even thinking it yourself too. Now, you know what? I'm a certain age now. Maybe I can't do this anymore. Or I can't do that anymore. Here is my mental health wellness message to you today. You're only going to go as far as you can see. Let me say that again. You're only going to go as far, not as what they can see for you. No. But what you can see for yourself. What you can see for yourself. If you see further, you will get further. But if you allow what other people see of you be projected on you, then I'm afraid you will not go anywhere. So if there's something that you need to learn today, well, let's check this out. When I wanted to go to Hollywood, I wanted to go work in Hollywood. But get what happened. Guess what happened? 
I didn't even get to work in Hollywood. I get to hire Hollywood. Now, that's some difference in that one there, right there. That little thing nugget that I threw, threw out there, those who are in Hollywood will tell you the difference. I got to hire Hollywood to do movies. But when I wanted to go, I wanted to go work. I was willing to knock down the doors, do all kind of stuff. And people kept throwing things at me. You will achieve what your eye level is. If your eye level is here, you can see, if I do this, I don't know what's up here. No. The only way I'm going to know is if I do this. If I move above that. When I wanted to write books, they told me, oh, if I, <laughs> check this out. My very first degree in America here was in media arts, writing for the media arts. I, had a, I came for master's. My father sent me for master's. That's what he thought. I came for a different purpose, but he sent me for master's. And I will never forget my very first class. My lecturer looked at me and said, my goodness, you are the worst writer I've ever met. Can you imagine a group of 25 people, master's level, and they tell you to stand up. And this is your first experience in America now. So they tell you to stand up in class, and you're thinking maybe they wanted to welcome you and cheer you. <laughs> and your lecturer looks at you and said, if you are now paid for this semester, I'll tell you, just pack up and go. This is the, your, your, your writing is the worst I've ever, ever read. Don't care to read it again. And I'm standing there in front of 25 people, grown people like myself saying, okay, can this floor just split in, just split quick and let me drop right in it and don't come back again. And for three days, I will never forget it. For three days, I was at home. I didn't want to go back to that class. I did not want to go back because I just didn't know how to crawl back to that classroom. And I remember crying, just crying really and saying, my goodness, I had high hopes for myself. And if this man who is well known in, in the area of films or whatever is saying, I suck, that. I must really stay back. And I remember the third day, I got up, I said, you know what? Well, that's his opinion. So I, I walked back into that classroom and he looked at me. He looked very surprised. And I said, but sir, why are you surprised? Why are you looking surprised? So well, after what I told you the last time, I didn't think you were going to show up. I didn't think you were going to have that God to even show up again today. And I said, well, I heard what you said. I heard it. But here's it. I want to give you a challenge. Since I'm such a challenge, well, will you take this challenge on? He said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, you said I'm a challenge. You, you, you literally said I suck. <laughs> so, and if I'm that bad, and if you're that great at writing, then you must be great at teaching. So here we go. This is who I am. 
what are you going to do about it? And this man took me on. The same man who the first day said, this is the worst person I've ever seen written in his entire life. At the end of that, of a year, the same man turns back and says, everybody, this is the best, this is the best, best, best screenplay I've ever read in my life. Can you imagine human beings? What if I take in my life with what he said in the first place? The same man who said I sucked and I was the worst he's ever known, turned around a year later and said, everybody, you all need to emulate her because she's the best that I've ever seen. And she's going to go somewhere. I say that to say that you cannot allow people's judgment of who you are or what they think you should be doing or not do, determine where you want to go in life. You cannot do that. And so for me, began my process. Over 40 publishers, I want you to hear this, over 40 publishers said no to my first book. If I, after 40, I stopped counting. I don't even know how, where I got the energy to even count to 40, frankly, because by, I think by the ninth one, I was already like, okay, somebody is right somewhere. But over 40 said no. And after 40, I said, okay, if y'all won't open the door, I'll open the door for myself. I'll do what I gotta do. And I found myself writing, published my first book. And in three months, it became a bestseller. Published the second one, became a bestseller. And it went on and on. And now I have literally a lot of them come and say, well, can we take this one off of, off of your hands? Can we make movies out of this one? Can we do this? And I keep saying, no. Now I get to say no. Because now I get to make more money, you know, because if I hand it over to you, you're going to turn it around, get 80% of it, and I get 20. No, I don't want that. If you don't give up on yourself, life won't give up on you either. Because when you keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking, at the end of the day, you might end up knocking, you know, you might have been knocking amiss, like going all over the place like this. But if you are tenacious and you just keep banging, that last punch might be that same punch that will open the door that you've been waiting on. You might have this idea that this is what I want to do. But when you start knocking, other ideas might come out of that knock that will literally push you into where you need to be. Our wellness, our wellness includes our spiritual wellness, includes our physical wellness, our mental wellness. In everything that we do, we have to appreciate who we are, appreciate that our gifting is different from others, appreciate that our gifting is meant not just for ourselves but for others 
appreciate that your highs and your lows will all come together to make who you are strong, understanding that you are always the hero in your own life story and that you get to write it whichever way you want to write it. Now, you can either write it in victory or you can write it defeated. But ultimately, it's your choice how you write it. So when I say that I'm not a backpack peddler, I'm literally just saying to people and I'm telling people out there and those who are in the social, I don't know, strata, a social media platform that look. As a nurse, I'm an expert. As a nurse, I'm a researcher. As a nurse, I'm a writer. As a nurse, you know, I'm an innovator. As a nurse, I'm an entrepreneur. As a nurse, I'm, a, I'm an excellent clinical, critical thinker. As a nurse, I can focus and focus well, even taking care of my people when they need help. As a nurse, I go beyond, I do beyond what other people see on the outside. But I want to employ all of our nurses to get from behind, behind the scenes. And it's time for us to push ahead and push ahead so that nursing can now be seen even in, because seen beyond, beyond the best side stories that we tell but that it can be seen as many of us becoming, um, being called to the table. I was really impressed when I saw a nurse, I think it's Cora Bush, who is one of the Congress uh, women. And to see that is very inspiring. It's time for our nurses to come up from behind the scenes and let's showcase who we are. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. Um, that was so enlightening, Dr. Princess um, Umi Hancock. I just want to take some time to step back and say, hey, I'm not a bedpan peddler either. And I think for those of us who practiced in the early 2000s, and you know the late 1990s and early 2000s i kind of took a step back when you were talking just your title and i remember being referred to as a blank wiper mm. and if from my era you could only understand what it was mm -hmm. but that did not deter me it did not make me feel lesser it made me feel more because patients were taken care of. And we as nurses, you know, the doctors, if, if we can take a step back, the doctors relied on us, right? That's right. Um, and most of us who have worked with fellows all of our lives know that the fellows are like our family and they rely on us. And our patients are our families because we are their advocates. And I really appreciate your honesty and tenacity in just explaining and just talking through the process because it is so true. Um, I think when I think back of uh, one of the things that you have talked about, you know, with nurses having so many different roles 
And we still have so many different roles. We work the day shift, we work the night shift, we hustle on the nights, we do home care. You know, we do anything that you ask us to do. We wash the bedpans. We, uh, and truly, we do wash the bedpans. That's right. You know, and we, we do everything for our patients. We're advocates. We come between the patient and the provider. We come between the patient and the, you know, whatever that business may be within the hospitals. We protect our patients on every level. I, I took a step back when you were talking, and one of my um, sisters, her godmother, who was a nurse for many years in the 1980s, she was one of the first people that I've ever heard of getting a doctorate in nursing or a very advanced um, degree in nursing. And regardless, during that time, I, and I cannot, I can't speak to it, I'm only talking to what I know, she, um, the myth and she actually committed suicide off of the Pansy Bridge in um, New York. And it's unclear of whatever happened. But regardless, I think sometimes nurses are faced with stress. We're faced with um, what, I, what my, um, one of my mentors, Dr. Kimberly Hires, talked about, the burnout phase. That's right. um, we need to take care of ourselves as we talk about wellness. We need to take a step back and say, how do we divide, you know, what we do today and how do we try to decompress during our work week or the end of our day so that we know we're revived and refreshed to come back the next day. And there's a lot of unknown and there is known and unknown documentation at the same time. But I think we still struggle to know when to start and when to stop. So I appreciate your sharing. I really related to a lot of the conversations that you and, and the, the points that you brought up. Um, and and I, I'm so happy to and understand, you know, in my new career in Seattle and with my nurses that I am engaging with, how do I teach them to raise a tooth? And how do I help them with saying, okay, it's okay to take care of you. It's okay to take a step back. You're, yes, your patients are ill, but guess what? If you're ill too, you can't take care of both of you. So I think it's allowed me to kind of absorb and to really sit back and say, okay, you know, where do I go from here? You know, and kind of gather the resources and um, maybe gather just information for myself as well as I move forward. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's a really good one. Yeah, that was that was um, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, what I loved about this discussion was just your transparency, just how transparent you were, because people need to see that, you know, that it's not all roses. It's not all yeah. gold. The road ahead is not always going to be a smooth one right there's going to be difficult times in between right. you know and that was very powerful when you shared that story you know what was your why what 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 is it that you you pulled for to, to stop you in that moment right your why right your why has to be bigger than whatever problems or whatever difficult times that you have going on. And for you, your why was your children, That's you know? Right. So it's very important, even for people who do not have children, you still have to identify what your why is, 
in difficult, difficult times, because there's a lot of people going through difficult times. You may not know, they may not be comfortable to share their stories, right? And to hear your story, it could be just what they need to see that, okay, I may be going through a difficult time, or I may go through a, a, a difficult bump in the road ahead, right? But we have to be able to see beyond that, right? It doesn't mean it ends there for you, right? If something doesn't go right for you now, it doesn't mean that everything else that you get involved with is not going to go right. And so what? Even if they don't, even if five more times yep. things come up, right? You have to just believe that you have a purpose, right? Take care of yourself, pour into yourself, and just, just envision something better ahead. So I, I really, I really appreciate that you are so transparent with sharing um, that part. And we know you have a lot of accolades. I mean, it, it stretches. We know that you do a lot of amazing things. But the fact that you're able to share you know, that it wasn't always like that, you know, you went through some bumps in the road ahead. So I appreciate, I appreciate um, you sharing and being so transparent. Thank you. Can I just quickly um, interject, if you don't mind, sure. uh, that we're, now that we're discussing and there are no questions. Um, there's power when we share, you know, our strength is in our story. And a lot of times when you look across the social media, what a lot of people tend to want to present is all that flashy, flashy, flashy stuff. And half the time, 90% of it doesn't even exist. It doesn't. But for me, I almost died. And not just once and not twice, I mean, countless times. And I remember when I was sleeping on the floor. When I say sleeping on the floor, I'm not talking about a mattress on the floor, y'all. I'm talking about a thin bed sheet on the floor. Three years with my boys, New Jersey. And I say, God, if you get me out of this, <laughs> anywhere you put me, I don't care how big or how small the platform is, I will open this mouth and I'm going to share so that somebody who might be going through it or who is yet to get through it will remember. And I was on the floor three years, hard, cold, floor in New Jersey, three years. Then I would get up from that floor, couldn't find no job. Master's degree older, couldn't find a job. We'll get up there and end up at, uh, they call it, uh, what's this, uh, this storefront? 7-Eleven, that's right. Run by an Indian man. God bless that man. He was the only person in that area that could give me a job. And even at that, he could not give me a job in front of the store. He was only able to give me a job in the deep freezer. People on social media call me the deep freezer lady. That's why. He was only able to give me a job in the deep freezer. And he would say to me, well, graveyard chef, 
My boss is not going to be here. If you can come into the deep freezer and just arrange the deep freezer. And I will go into that deep freezer. And do you want to know that that is where my vision started? In the deep freezer, y'all. That's where things began to turn around for me. In the deep, somebody is about to get a breakthrough on that one. In the deep freezer. You know how tall those deep freezers are? <laughs> At the deli stores? That's where things turned around. It was in that deep freezer. I mean, I remember my first night in the deep freezer. I was in so much pain. I didn't even know it was deep freezer. I wasn't feeling that cold, yo. I was not even, I was, that was how much pain I was in. And I would roll on the floor from one end to the other after putting things away, roll. Oh, I need, I need help. I need help. I need help. I need, I need clarity. I need clarity. And a collection of my book, Your Vision Torch. If you get a chance, go get it. Your Vision Torch, How to Re-Engineer Your Life Purpose. That's where it came out of. How to re-engineer your life purpose. In that deep freezer was where that clarity began to come. So there are times you might find, your, where, where, where am I going with this? You might actually find yourself where you don't want to be in a place that feels like a deep freezer to you. Mine was a literally deep freezer. <laughs> but you can plug in anything in that deep freezer. And you don't want to be there. You shouldn't be there. You don't think you're supposed to be there. And that might be where you need to be broken to be rebuilt again. So some of us might need to be broken to be rebuilt again. Just like finding your big Y is equally finding your deep freezer. So that you can be broken to be rebuilt again. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> You're muted, um, Dr. Joseph. We can't hear you. Oh. I had a little technical difficulties for a technical person. <laughs> But I just wanted to say if there there's not any more questions, I really want to thank you so much. I, you've given us a lot to think on, and you've given us a lot to absorb, and lots of thoughts for another conversation or additional conversation part two, I think. Um, strategies, right, of how to really deal with what we're faced with. And um, yes, we're not perfect. We know that. Yes, we've been... I don't want to say ostracized, but we've been labeled, yeah. But I think as we acknowledge our own selves and we know our potential and we know what we can do, as we partner with BWLN and we bring in our nursing leaders and we bring in our experts, um, we bring in wellness Saturdays um, in other kind of forums throughout the months that we go through, I think it is so important to be able to touch point, take our own pulse check. Where are we right now? Where do we need to go next? Or do we need to take a step back? 
And I think there's a lot of us who think, oh, I can keep doing it, I can keep doing it. But guess what? Relax. Take a breather. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. And I think that is just so important. Um, I do want to open it up if we have any questions. Uh, Misha, I don't see anything in the chat right now. Um, just really acolytes of, you know, very great discussion. I think it was well worth it. Um, I don't know if Shelly and if you're on the call or maybe Misha, you're monitoring Facebook if we have any questions from our Facebook colleagues. No questions at the moment. Just thank yous. Oh, great. I think it was very, um, very robust and very well needed kind of conversation, um, Dr. Sumi Hancock, and I am so glad that I had the opportunity, even with our time differences. I know I couldn't miss this one. Our first one was awesome, and I really enjoy every time you come on and share with us because I, 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 I want to take a step back, which as I end out our um, meeting for today, is there anything else that you would like to share, Dr. Hancock, or anyone else want to share with us before I close out? No, I'm, okay. I'm done. Balance Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. I really appreciate Perfect. it. Awesome. Great feedback. Great to hear you and your story. So I want to take a step back and um, Take a take, you know, little step back. So I, as I end, I want to thank you, Dr. Fumi, for coming. Um, we are always very happy um, and and very elated when you are able to come and join us. And I want to close for those of you who don't know Dr. Fumi um, She is a princess of suburbia, and <laughs> she is the African princess living in Despera. And um, she's a board-certified psychiatric mental health practitioner. Um, she is a nurse in uh, practice, which is a doctor of nursing practice. She is the CEO of Pula Bethesda Psychiatric Health Clinics in Aurora. Um, on, and she also has an on-air uh, trauma care uh, maestro uh, kind of event that she puts on. And the Global Life Rehab Ambassador as well. Um, she's one of the first Johnson & Johnson Nurse Innovation Fellows um, whose role was to bridge the gap between Africa and the U.S. health system. There's a lot you don't know about this powerful woman, but I want to share it with you. She's also an award-winning talk show host uh, of an online um, town hall series, Life Rehab TV, a Hollywood AFCA African Oscar, and Indefest as well, a winning nurse uh, turned filmmaker. Uh, we have many hats, um, as a lot of you know. And she is also um, a TED Talk uh, speaker and a best-selling author, as she has um, expressed previously, of helping hurting people rewrite their trauma stories and discover their Oh, Dr. Fumi Hancock, we thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us. We are so happy to have you on each and every time. And for our public, we are um, really happy that you joined us as well. And Thank as we so continue much. to have our series, you're very welcome. As we continue to have our series on Wellness Saturdays, we hope that you continue to join us. And um, uh, our founder, uh, Misha Carey, will close us out. 
Thank you again. Thank you so much for that recap, Dr. Josephs, with all the amazing things that Dr. Princess Fumi Hancock does. Thank you, um, Dr. Hank Fumi Hancock, for coming again. Thank you, everyone, Thank you. for joining us on the Zoom and for everyone that's watching on Facebook. Next week, Saturday, we will have our final um, Wellness Saturday series for um, Mental Health Awareness Month. We will have a panel. Um, and we will invite everyone that has spoken before um, in this series back to join us as well. So thank you again, everyone, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tear the Veil with Dr. Fumi. We hope you have enjoyed being a part of today's show and that we have helped you in shining. For further information, you can visit us at drfumipsychdnp.com and pobpsychiatry.com.